Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Dr. Greg Hasek. Is that how you say your name? Yeah, my name is Greg Hasek. It's so good to be here. I'm excited to be on your your podcast today, Colleen. Um, We have some exciting things to talk about and just excited to uh, be able to do that. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And so let's just jump right in. How did you first start like getting interested in researching abortion trauma? Like that is something that we're going to be talking about today. So can you just give a little background of how you started like looking into that? Yeah. So as far as my work with the abortion issue, it goes back to 2004. Um, that's when I started specializing how abortion affects men. You know, I've been specializing on how abortion affects men since then, since 2004. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little while. But as far as the trauma of abortion, um, as, as a licensed professional counselor, around 2005, I started putting on my intake form, have you had an abortion experience in your past? And so for men and women, I started, I was one of the first therapists that were doing that, that were starting to look at, you know, what kind of clients are we seeing that have had abortions in their past? Around the same time, I started specializing in sex addiction um, with male clients. And so I was able to then ask the question to my male clients, had they had an abortion experience in their past? Um, and so I can start to correlate, you know, is an abortion experience in their past a possible trauma that's kind of at the root of some of their addictive behavior? And so that's how. What made you start? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. What made you start asking that on the intake forms? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I, I did some volunteer work years ago in a crisis pregnancy center. Um, I started hearing um, some reports from some of my clients that they had tried to get help at crisis pregnancy centers. Um, there was no services for men back then um, in around 2005. Um so I, I was just becoming interested in the first thing was just to validate a male's experience, just to say, if a man has had an abortion and nobody's asking, no place to go for a man to get help as a therapist that seeing clients that have addictions, you know, I think it was important for me to start at least validating the possibility that they did have an abortion experience in their past. And to ask the question for them, because if you don't ask the question, you're basically saying it's not an issue for a man or, or a woman. So I, I thought, okay, the, the least I can do is say, this is a potential trauma, just like sex abuse, just like physical abuse, just like domestic violence for any male that came to my office. And so I started doing that. Like I said, I was one of the first ones doing that. And so I have years of research on that with the number of clients that I've seen that have had abortions, et cetera, and the, the number of guys that I've treated because of that. And from a medical perspective, is abortion considered a trauma? Like, is from like, I guess, like the medical community? Yeah, so to understand how the, the psychological world views abortion as a trauma or not, you have to look at the history a little bit, you know, going back to the 1970s in terms of how um, abortion was viewed um, from 1973 when it was um, legalized to the feminist movement. Um, at that time, uh, women were finally validated for their trauma from sex abuse. That was the first time in history that women were validated for PTSD. 
um, right after Vietnam vets. Um, at that time, men were perceived as perpetrators of females trauma because of women being validated for that sex abuse issue around the 70s. That was right around the same time that men lost their rights around abortion legally. So from the 1970s on, the issue of abortion as a trauma in terms of how men were viewed, they viewed men as perpetrators of females trauma, not victims of trauma. And that, that holds today. So when we talk about the trauma with men and abortion, men are perceived as perpetrators. Now, in terms of how women are viewed as, is it legitimate trauma for females when they've had an abortion? Around 2009, the American Psychological Association did their own research and they wanted to see, is it really traumatic for women who've had abortions? You know, do they actually have like PTSD symptoms? And through their research, what they found was that it was not more traumatic for a woman to have an abortion than a woman to have an unplanned pregnancy and carry the baby to term. So there was no difference, they said. That it was just okay. as traumatic to have, have an unplanned pregnancy and carry it to the term. So that was their 2009 research. Well, you know, if you know anything about the American Psychological Association, they're pretty far left in terms of their leanings. Um, they're very liberal. They're influenced by the feminist uh, movement. And so at that point, they still stand on that research that it is not traumatic for a woman to go through an abortion, no more than if they've carried the baby to term that was unplanned. So that's where they stand. Now, to add to what we were talking about earlier is the psychological world does not view um, abortion as a trauma also because the pro-life world has been the ones primarily treating abortion as a potential trauma. So there's... Why is that? Well, basically, because the mental health world was influenced by that research, by the far left, the mental health world never took it up as this is something that we need to ask when clients come into counseling. This is something that we need to treat professionally. This is something we need to do research on. So they basically left it to the pro-life world and they perceived it as a religious political kind of issue versus a actual mental health issue. So basically like what people say, like Catholic guilt, that idea that people feel guilty about it because there's some kind of religious pressure not to do that. So that's like, is that basically? Yeah, religious, moral, ethical kind of, you know, Christians or, or faith-based people are the only ones that are suffering because of their views versus people in general don't suffer from abortion. Um, and, and, and the second thing is, is because when the pro-life world took over what the mental health world didn't do, they didn't use evidence-based practice models to treat what they were saying was trauma from abortion. So they were using Bible study formats. They were do, doing groups. They were doing retreats. Well, the psychological world was sitting back and looking at that and saying, how can you treat abortion as a trauma in an in a illegitimate way and be respected? 
So basically they just kind of saw a bunch of feel good religious people sitting around, not actually being able to offer clinical care. But then the reason that pro-lifers were doing that was because the medical community wasn't stepping in to exactly. help, basically. So the medical the okay. medical world or the mental health world dropped the bomb because they, they perceived it as political religious. The pro-life world, the crisis pregnancy centers took over and actually all the way back to, you know, when I was doing two, or 1984 or, or 2004, um, they were doing small groups and Bible study formats and, you know, groups at crisis pregnancy centers. Um, because, yeah, the mental health world wasn't doing anything. But when the pro-life world took it over, because they didn't have professional therapists running those programs, the majority of them were then perceived by the mental health world as illegitimate. And so how can it be a valid trauma if you're not treating it based upon what research would say is this is how you treat it? And actually... They're thinking that, that the pro-life world is doing more harm if it's a legitimate trauma. Interesting. So those kind of groups don't offer any help to women who have gone through this space, like from like a medical, like psychiatric standpoint? Yeah, especially when they know that it's like a Bible study format. Because if you're saying someone has a psychological diagnosis, like post-traumatic stress disorder, Let's say someone came into counseling and had a uh, PTSD diagnosis from sex abuse. Would you take that client and just sit them in a Bible study format? No, you would, from a therapist perspective, you would assess their PTSD symptoms, assess for other addictions, help them learn ways to cope with their PTSD, take them through professional kind of programs or, or a, a, a treatment process to where what evidence-based practice in the medical world would say was how you treat that diagnosis. So we have two worlds so that, that are just totally opposed. Yeah. Since we're in that situation now, how should pro-lifers help women who actually, or men who have had abortion as trauma? Like if the medical field isn't considering it a trauma, but this Bible study format isn't helpful, how can they actually like offer these people legitimate help without like doing more harm than good? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and I want to make sure that our listeners don't hear I'm saying it's not helpful at all. Uh, what I'm saying is the pro-life world has done great things to help people over the years since 1970. Does the mental health world drop the ball? Okay. But what I'm saying is, if this is ever going to be respected as legitimate trauma, okay, the, the pro-life world or the lay person that's helping someone needs to know their limitations in terms of what clients they see and what they treat or don't treat. And work with therapists like me, we're trying to build a therapist network right now. Um, of therapists, where we would be a resource network for the crisis pregnancy center or for the local person that's trying to do a Bible study that would say, wait a minute, this client has suicide ideation. This client has PTSD symptoms. This client has wh whatever. They need more professional treatment than going into, say, a recovery group or Bible study format so that so that it is treated legitimately. And it's a, it's a cooperative kind of relationship between the lay pro-life world and the professional mental health people. 
And it's making sure that the people who have this trauma are getting the help they actually need and the help that will actually help them heal too. It seems exactly. Like. Yeah. Because, because the mental health world measurement of change or health is mm -hmm. different than say the Bible study format measurement of change in health, you know, going through a forgiveness process and, and, and walking through all the steps that most of those groups go through. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not addressing the mental health needs, let's say that person ha has an active addiction, but they're, a cho they're joining a, a Bible study group and they're going home and drinking after the group. Well, it's not addressing the other issues and it could actually cause more harm if they don't holistically look at that potential client. And so that's where there's been a lot of disrespect or, or you know, looking at the pro-life world is you guys are actually doing more harm than good sometimes, but how can we work together? And that we need more Christian therapists. We need more therapists in general that are asking the question on their intake form. You'd be surprised after 20 years, I still talk to therapists every day that don't even ask the question. Wow. How does like in that case for like helping people going through this, what, how have you seen this like abortion trauma manifests itself in people. Is it usually addiction of some type? Is it like, what does that look like? And is it different for men and women or is it kind of the same across the board? I guess that's like a really big mm -hmm. question because PTSD will ha manifest itself in many different ways. But like, what do you generally, what like trends do you generally see? Yeah. So, so like back in the eighties, they called it, um, Vincent Rue called it called the post-abortion syndrome. You probably know that there's some yeah. history to yeah. that. You know, that was never respected as a legitimate diagnosis. Um, so what I tell people to do is say, does this client who presents with an abortion in their history have potential PTSD symptoms? So the first thing that I do is I do a PTSD assessment. Okay. And then I also do a full assessment of all their other symptoms. For example, do they have addictions? Do they have marriage problems? Do they have other types of trauma? And so as a therapist that's trained in how to treat trauma, I have to then think, what's the first issue I have to deal with? Now with my addict clients, okay, and because society doesn't give a place for men to really express their trauma, they often medicate mm -hmm. their trauma through addiction. So my first step with my sex addict clients, if they had an abortion in their history, is to treat the addiction. Then I can, once they get sober, then I can later treat that trauma. And sometimes that trauma then is able to be correlated to their acting out behavior through addiction. But if I didn't treat the addiction first and I treated the trauma first, they most likely would medicate their pain more and actually have more problems with addiction. So so for, in terms of how men and women present, you know, oftentimes there's other presenting problems that come to counseling. The majority do not come for an abortion issue. They come for marriage problems, addictions, different types of trauma, domestic violence, divorce issues, you know, all these kinds of things. And then you look into their past and you find there's an abortion in their history. They've never dealt with it. Maybe they have some trauma from it. Um, but the presenting problem that gets them to my office is not going to be the abortion issue. 
because there's no validation for that issue as a potential trauma. So there's no one that's going to wake up in the morning and go, I want to see a therapist for abortion issue unless they've been involved in the pro-life world. They're, they're going to wake up in the morning and go, I drink too much. Or my wife just said, if I don't get home, help from my sex addiction, I'm going to divorce you. And so that's who goes, comes to my office. And that's kind of how it starts that journey of getting to that abortion issue, maybe six to 12 months in treatment. Interesting. And then you've specialized in helping men in this. So is that like basically what, what got you into like specializing in how men react to abortion? Yeah. So if you look at men in our culture, so again, this goes back to 2004 when I first started treating men, um, men are invalidated for their trauma in our culture, whatever trauma is. The only type of trauma that they're not invalidated for is if they come back from war. So a soldier say, oh, you know, they're validated for their PTSD if they served in, in war, but male sex abuse, male domestic violence, men who've had an abortion in their past, men who have been physically abused as children, they're rarely validated in our culture for their trauma. Okay, so where I started my work was the men that were coming to my office with an addiction as their presenting problem had all these multiple traumas, abortion being one of them, that nobody had ever validated for them or, or said, those are legitimate traumas for you as a male. How are they affecting your presenting problem of addiction? So I started that in 2004. How I then ended up specializing is I started um, looking around the country. Were there other therapists treating men with an abortion in their past? What I found, there's very few. I called together a summit in 2004 in Kansas City. We gathered people that had treated abortion in men um, in the past. And we had the first national summit on how abortion affects men in 2004. We then had an international summit um, in 2007 in San Francisco and then 2008 in Chicago. And that was the first international conference on how abortion affects men. And so it began to finally spread. People were more and more interested. You know, crisis pregnancy centers started becoming more interested. They, they started talking more about it with people in their centers. Um, so we started spreading the word more with these conferences. And then I began really specializing that ever since then at conferences throughout the country and in different places around the world. So it kind of became, I was the mental health person that specialized in men and abortion. And so people would come to me that wanted to kind of like get the mental health perspective on how abortion affects men. Um, so really that's kind of 20 years of my work. I think a lot of times you fall into that, like the, people that are for abortion have spread this idea that men don't have a say in abortion and it doesn't affect men. And I feel like the work you're doing speaks to that, like showing like, no, it does actually affect men. It has, it's a legitimate trauma. It actually does have this effect on men and their mental health and then on their relationships and everything else as well. And I think that's really important that we have people being that voice to say that this is actually affects men just as much as, as it affects women. Well, definitely. And I always tell people, you know, if you're looking for evidence that abortion affects men, you're looking in the wrong places. 
And what I mean by that is you have to look differently as to if, how it affects a man. Okay, because men and women grieve differently. They deal with trauma differently. And culture validates trauma differently in terms of men and women. Okay, so you're less likely to see a man come out and say, I've been hurt by an abortion decision in my past. Just because men are, men are trained early not to cry, they're told by culture their, their opinion doesn't matter, that they're, they're, they're not um, supposed to have trauma from abortion, that, that they have no rights over that, and it's a woman's body. So time they get to the point where maybe they should seek help, there's nothing inside of them that says, this is something I should seek help for. So they stuff it. And, and so it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, a beginning process of just getting men to be viewed differently, that their trauma comes out in symptoms because their trauma is suppressed. So someone that, say, has a sex addiction that I treat or someone that has an alcohol problem, you know, is it possible there's an abortion in their past, but they've never dealt with that because culture says you have no right to deal with it. So they come for an addiction and they've never really considered, you know, and so we have to look at men differently as, as to how they're affected by abortion. Is it possible they're, they're an angry person? Is it possibly they have addiction? Is it possible domestic violence? Whatever the issue is, and then correlate that with, a possible trauma from their past. And so we have to really frame it differently in order to understand how men are affected. Interesting. And then you also were saying that men don't usually wake up and walk in and say, hey, I've had an abortion, like this is a trauma I need to deal with. Do you have women doing that? Or does that, do women also tend to have it come out in some different way? Do you, like, have you had any experience with that? Yeah, I think women equally are affected by the message that it's not a valid trauma in our culture. So they're, they're more likely to come for that issue, but very few. More likely women, yeah, more likely women are going to come for relationship problems or depression or anxiety or, you know, some addictions, things like that. When you ask them the question on the intake form, have you had an abortion in your past? Or you know, have you lost a child due to miscarriage, abortion, things like that? they are more likely to want to work on that issue more than the man. Okay. Just because they, but, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so it seems like in both, neither one of them is usually coming in for abortion, but the way that it's manifesting itself is going to be different. And the women are like quicker to be able to be like, oh, this is something I actually need to work on versus the man. Exactly. Is that exactly. a good summary? Exactly. You know, women, women just as much as men in our culture are invalidated for the abortion being a trauma. And so, yeah, there's going to be very few women that say, wake up in the morning and say, I want to go to talk with therapists about my abortion. Um, now, those that know that I'm, I'm a pro-life person, they know that I work in this field of abortion, um, healing, there are those in the pro-life world that seek me out and say, that's what I want treatment for. Um, but the general public would not do that. Okay. And then do you think that abortion will ever be recognized as a legitimate trauma by the medical community? Mm -hmm. By Because I know that's something I believe that you're working on. Um, can you speak a little bit about 
that like the potential there? Yeah. So about 10 years ago, we we developed a group. It's a long name. I'll say it quickly. American Association of Therapists Treating Abortion Related Trauma. So it was an online group that I started with another person. We got together therapists that were licensed therapists in different states around the country. We wanted to keep political and religious issues out of the organization. We wanted to treat abortion as a legitimate trauma using evidence-based practice that the, the American Psychological Association respected. So if we say it's going to be traumatic for men or women, you better treat it with evidence-based practice. So we set out to do that because what we said is we want it to be viewed legitimately, but in order to, to, to it be viewed legitimately, we have to treat it that way. So that was our goal. So we were, we started 10 years ago. Now, where we're at right now is we're trying to develop curriculum to train therapists and we, what we have is, is we have a 12 ceu credit curriculum that we've developed and so it will be a certification program for therapists to be trained in how to treat abortion as a trauma but reproductive grief and loss in general so it'll be like a certificate reproductive grief and loss certificate so that we can spread across the country and get more therapists trained so that the more numbers we have, the more evidence and research we have in treating it legitimately, it's more likely to be viewed as a trauma by the psychological world. Now, in my opinion, because the mental health world has failed this, it's what made it more legal longer. Really? Yeah, because see if the mental health world would have said, stepped up, Christian or no Christian therapist, and done it legitimately, evidence-based practice, <clears throat> they found out it was a legitimate trauma, they had the evidence and research, they could have took that and said to the Supreme Court or whoever, we are doing harm. The medical world, when they perform abortions, are doing harm to men and women. and the Hippocratic Oath by doctors would be violated. And at that point, the medical world would then have to take that research from the, from the mental health world and go, are we doing harm or are we not doing harm? And if you're doing harm and you're violating the Hippocratic Oath, then we're gonna stop it. But to this- th So that could be one key. Yeah, to this- That could be like, Part of this. Yeah. Exactly. To this <laughs> day, the medical person, the person that performs an abortion, doesn't have that research that says you're doing harm. And so they can continue to do that abortions until someone comes along and says, wait a minute, you're you're doing legitimate trauma to that person you're give, giving an abortion to. You can't do that anymore. And we're going to pass a law that says you can't do harm to that client. But they don't have that research and they don't have that backing by the psychological world. So they can continue and say, it's not harm. Yeah. Cause they don't recognize that a child's a child. So you're not going to be able to say, do no harm based on that, but you might be able to get them to say, do no harm based on how it's hurting the woman. 
Exactly. Exactly. And then they would have to say, am I going to violate my my ethical code? Am I going to violate the Hippocratic Oath of me going as a doctor and being trained to not hurt people, mm-hmm. but to help people? But they can go to bed at night and have their conscience okay because nobody's saying that is a legitimate trauma and you're not hurting someone. Interesting. Yeah. And then you said that you're also trying to work with pregnancy care centers um, to make sure they get the help they need. What does that look like? Are you offering, like, can you just give a little description of how, like, you and other um, doctors are working with these pro-life institutions to be able to help women? Yeah. So what we're starting to do is as we grow as an organization and we get more therapists trained, we want to have therapists in every state in the country to where... The local crisis pregnancy center, the local pro-life group that's helping women and men heal from an abortion. Okay, we want to be a resource person, a contact person for that local group or that local center to say, okay, how can we work together? You know, maybe, maybe, okay, the mental health person does the assessment on the client prior to entering into a group. Maybe the mental health person takes that client and does PTSD work prior to a Bible study. So it's an, it's a way of doing integrative care. And how I describe it is it's like the AA movement. The AA group was never meant to be the first line treatment for addiction. Okay. The therapist like when I treat addictions, I'm the first line. The, men, the, the, the AA group's an adjunct to the first line of treatment. The pro-life world or the Bible study formats or the crisis printing, they need to be an adjunct, a sideline support that's lay run to support the mental health person treating the legitimate trauma. So it's a, it should be a co- coordinated effort we're both doing we're both doing good work, but they should not be the frontline people. That makes yeah. sense. It seems like you're offering that community support as someone is going through the like mental health work that they need. Yeah, yeah. let's. It's really interesting. Is there anything? Oh, I'll just ahead. say, let's say someone comes into the to the crisis pregnancy center has a history, say bipolar disorder, <clears throat> maybe suicide uh, ideation in the past. What are you going to do? You need a therapist that, you know, hey, you know, make a phone call. Hey, I've got this person that's wanting to join our group. They have these presenting issues. Can I refer them to you for an assessment? Because we don't know if they're, they're they're safe for our group. Yeah, it, it could be that simple, you know, and, 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 and how can we work together? Because then the psychological world's going to go, okay, you guys are doing your part, but you're not trying to do something that you're not trained for. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up today? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a, I mean, there's a lot of hope out there that, you know, that now that, you know, the Roe versus Way was overturned, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of hope out there in different states that are, you know, making different laws in terms of when abortion can happen or not happen. I think this is like the prime time in our country to really have an opportunity to say, 
you know, abortion is can cause legitimate trauma. And here's why it's, it's, it's like uh, out of all time in history, we have an opportunity to take it more to the front lines of the mental health world, of the Christian therapists, of the, the, the non-Christian therapists and say, instead of looking at this as a polarized issue, <clears throat> that it's political, it's religious, let's look at this as just a trauma issue, regardless of your faith, regardless of your political stance. Treat the client like you would treat any other client. And, and we have an opportunity in, in this time to take it to a different level to where maybe one day there'll be enough therapists that say this is legitimate trauma and not just laws being changed, but the doctors that practice abortion will eventually not be able to do it because they'll be violating what is called the Hippocratical Oath, which would be, it is a legitimate trauma and our culture then believes it. Now, is it gonna happen overnight? No, it's gonna take time, but we need more therapists. We need more therapists working with the local centers, coordinating together and each having its own role and knowing our limitations in our roles. Well, and that's why it's good to have a conversation like this too, so that our listeners can be aware that there's this tension between the medical, like between that community and between how pro-lifers treat it and make sure that people get the legitimate help that they need as well. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This has been a really interesting conversation. I'm glad. We could have yeah. It. Thank you for having me, Colleen. I look forward in the future. If I can be of any help, let me know. Sounds good. And to all of our listeners, please like, follow, subscribe, share with your friends, and keep on living the culture of life. God bless.